Well, good to see you folks out. I know it was tough for some people to make it, make it out here this morning. And if you didn't hear, we were welcomed here this morning with quite a fanfare of things. We had uh, water spraying out in the kitchen. So we were battling that for a couple of hours. We did get somebody here who was able to uh, shut that off and, and uh, get it fixed. And then we found there was another problem that was outside of their jurisdiction. And we had to get somebody else here, which some of you who got here before 10 o'clock probably still saw them working. <laughs> and we got everything running and everything going. So we actually have water in the church, which is good because you all like to have water in the church. We have that, uh, that going on. But all the precautions, all the things that we take to make sure that those things didn't happen still happened. So we have to take other precautions. So, you know, before service, I do everything I can to try and shield myself from many things, as many things as possible. Uh, after service, I talk to you about anything. Before service, you all know, then don't talk to me about sports. Uh, if you tell me a joke, I probably won't get it. I'm just not, I'm not framed in that. I'm, I'm framed differently. After service is different. You can tell me the same joke, I'll laugh at it. Before service, I'm looking at you, huh? Because that's not my mentality. That's not, that's not my framing. I have to make sure that we, we guard against that and we don't have some of those things going on. You know, I'll, I'll greet you differently after church than I will before church because I just have to be focused in on other other things. If you have a prayer need before church, great. We've got lots of people in here to take care of it. Don't come to me. Don't do it. If you have a counseling need before church, don't come to me. I'll shut you down. You see, because my main purpose before church is to get ready for all. After church, I can get ready for one or two of you and help you out with that. But there's other people who can do that, who will, who will focus that. But God showed me a long time ago to make sure we had those things taken care of. So we had people coming on in, and they were taking over for me and, and doing the different things that was, that was happening, so I wasn't having to to focus in on that, but um, it all started pretty early. I didn't come. I didn't notice it right away. I don't think it was going right away, but somewhere along the way, whatever was frozen defrosted, and it was spraying water all over our nice kitchen. <laughs> we don't want to have that going on. So um, I'm over there catching buckets. And for for I think it was an hour and a half. I was emptying buckets. I could only get a four gallon. No, I could only get a two gallon bucket behind where it was coming out. And so every time the two-gallon bucket would fill up, I'd take it and dump it out and wait for it to fill up again and take it and dump it out. So you don't have any bulletins this morning. Something had to go. <laughs> Something had to be sacrificed. And bulletins were the, you know, we like having them and all that, but uh, uh, it was sacrifice. We had, to, we had to move on to other things. But uh, anyway, you all are here. We're glad that you made it in. There's some folks who uh, tried to make it in and didn't feel real good about Heading on out there. Uh, I put up on Facebook, we know I was driving in. I actually tried to skid because I was driving around for a while and it was, it was doing really, really good. So I said, well, let's just really give this thing a test. So I jammed on the brakes. I hit the accelerator when we're at the red light going to the green light. And I, I just hit the accelerator, just tried to floor it and go on out. And um, I tried to fishtail in the Wegmans parking lot. I tried. I couldn't do it. I couldn't fishtail. I could accelerate as fast as I wanted. I could brake whenever I wanted to. And so I put that up there on Facebook. If you didn't see that, I, I threw that up there. Now, I did also make a note that I am in a truck. The truck is made to be off-road off stuff. And so I understand that other vehicles are not as, they're a little more challenged than mine is. But uh, I'll tell you what, mine was having fun. It was eating whatever it was that was out there. It wasn't real icy when I was there, but uh, it was raining. And I guess some of it could, could turn. But glory to God, it was warming up. And did you see what it's going to get up to today? Hot dog, 40 <laughs> degrees. Man, we can, en we can enjoy 40 degrees. Isn't that, isn't that right? <laughs> I know I can. Hallelujah. All right, well, we're going to be continuing some of the things we were gotten into uh, last week. We entitled this one, Seed or Need? Seed or Need? Uh, I want to read this story to you. I could, I could uh, regurgitate and tell you to my own words. But it's, th this person put some time into some of these words, and so I wanted to read this for you. How many of you all like Krispy Kreme donuts? I think I've had one in my entire life. I think I've had one Krispy Kreme donut. Um, so I don't really have a strong affection for them. Uh, I know they're out there. I know there are people who like them, really like them. So this is, the, this is written by a person who really likes Krispy Kreme donuts. And you can tell that by the way he's writing. When watching the Krispy Kreme donut machine, or as I like to call it, the dream machine... I noticed something that made me very upset. At the end of the conveyor, they were throwing away a bunch of donuts. 
Let me describe the machine. First, there is the, donut, the, the dough plopper that makes the donut shape. But as I watched, I was saddened by the fact that some of the time, the donuts come out deformed. And those are then discarded and thrown away. Next comes the fire. And as they go through the fire, they cook on one side. Then halfway through, they are flipped over. Again, I observed that some of the half-cooked delicious pieces of dough did not flip over. And they were also headed for the trash can. The last step of the process is the glaze. It is just this beautiful river of glaze that pours over the donuts. But sometimes the donut is too far to the outside, and other times a dry piece of glaze stops the flow in a certain area. And those donuts that have made it this far but did not get iced are banished from the serving line too. Thankfully, there are those that make it through this refining process and are served as premium, perfect, and always delicious Krispy Kreme donuts. So if you like Krispy Kreme donuts, there's a description of the machine. I bring that story up for you for this. Sometimes we've been believing God for a thing. We've had our faith out on something, and it doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to be coming about. And what happens is our faith has not quite been processed the way that it needs to be. It hasn't been coated with the beautiful glaze at the end of the thing. It hasn't been properly formed in the dough. It wasn't properly fried didn't flip over in the process. Something happened. And most of the time that that happens is because we didn't do something. We actually stepped out of the realm of faith and stepped over in the realm of flesh. We got our faith a little off kilter. And we aren't one of those beautiful Krispy Kreme donuts that comes out of the, the end of the pile. Last week we were here, and uh, I think last week we were a little challenged on people being here too. Wasn't it, something, wasn't it cold last week or something like that? It sure was. I remember having to have, having the battle to try and get it, get it going. I took all all the heaters from next door. And we brought every single one of them over here, trying to get this place warm. And it was it was cold, and yet nothing froze last week. <laughs> Figure that one out, right? Man, sometimes they just don't don't get it. But as we were talking about service that, uh, uh, last time, we talked about those who serve. And those who serve, the, serve uh, there are some characteristics of people who serve. There's a lot more than we got into. But there's some characteristics of those people who serve. And I'll just read them off to you in case you weren't here. You'll go to God and say, God, what is your assignment for me today? You realize that when I serve people, or when I serve God, I serve God by serving people. But sometimes people get flipped over and they begin to serve people. And that's in the flesh. You serve God by serving people. We made that statement to you how many times? You go to God and you say, God, what is my priority today? Because he's your, he's your source. What can I help with today? God, do you need help with something? What can I help with today? Your report of others. How many of y'all know you give reports of other people? Your report of others is mostly positive. Doesn't have to be completely positive. It's mostly positive. Jesus' reports of others was mostly positive every once in a while though he wasn't positive don't think that in order to be in this realm you have to always be positive if there's something negative you don't have to say something positive about it you you see god's blessings as promised and certain god's blessings are promised and certain correction is welcomed full of humility people who are in this category are full of humility and they Stay consistent. If you are a person whose priority is to serve and you serve God by serving others, if that, these are the characteristics that will be there for you. There's other ones too that we can get into, but we just got into those. Those who work. There's those who serve and then there's those who work. That was the second category. The people who work, they're asking people. They're not asking God. They're asking people, what do you need me to do for you? You get your priorities from people. You don't get it from God. You begin to think things like, if I do this for God, if I do this for you, you might even think, have I done enough? Your report of others is both negative and positive. You are, you are God's blessings. I'm sorry, you see God's blessings as to be earned or granted. You may talk faith, but you see God's blessings as being earned or granted. If you want to figure this out, 
Look at your prayers. Look at your prayers. God, I need you to do this for me. Look what I did for you. Look at what I did over here. Correction is restricted. I only receive what I feel I need and from whom I want to receive it from. Pride is being removed, but it's still there. And there is limited steadiness. Sometimes you're steady, but sometimes you, uh, you know, bail out. Then there's a third group, those who wait to be served. How many of y'all know when you have your, your family dinners, there's someone who comes to the family, there are a couple of people who come to the family dinner and they're not going to help with the dishes. They're not going to help prepare the meal. They're not going to help clean up. They're not going to help serve. They're going to come in, park themselves on the, on the sofa, watch the TV, eat the food, and leave. Right? When you have family gatherings, you know there's certain people who are going to do that. These are these people. They wait to be served. They'll do things, and if this offends you, it's your problem. That's their attitude. Your report of others, if you're in this category, your, your report of others is mostly negative or underhandedly positive. Oh, that dress is so pretty on you. I had one like that five years ago. Right? That's, to, to a woman that's supposed to... To, to a guy, if we had pants five years ago, big deal. You know, this is, I still have the same pants I had five years ago, so it's, it's not a big deal. But um, for some, you know, there's just this, those underhanded ways that people can can do that. This is your report of others. You see God's blessings as out of reach or for others. Correction is unheard or resisted. You are full of pride. And you change in an instant. Get these last two. If you are a person who waits to be served, you are full of pride and you will change in an instant. Now, we had some scriptures we went over with this as well. You can uh, go back up there and get the... get the. Uh, it's not up there on the web just yet. I came down here to church a couple of times. I left without it Sunday. Came down a couple of times to get it. Left each time without it. So uh, we'll try and get it here today and, and get that over to you. We gave you the assignment of improve your attitude, improve your serve, and improve your reports. You're going to see yourself removing pride and increasing in your humility. Those are things that will be good for you to, to do. But here this time, we're going to talk about two different things in here. Need and seed. Most people are moved by need. That's what moves us. Why do most people go to work? Because I need the money, right? Most people don't go to work because... I'm doing good. I, I, I believe in what I'm doing. And most people go to work because they need the money. Now, that's all right. You got, you, we, we do have a need to, to go to work and to, to earn money. I'm not saying that you've got to get rid of that or, or anything like that. But most of us, are, we're moved by need. We've got to get out of this thing of being moved by need. I'm going to go over to John chapter 4 and verse 46. John chapter 4 and verse 46. So as Jesus came again to Canaan and Galilee, where he had made... The water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Is Jesus particularly receptive to this man? I say, I love we, every one of Jesus' stories of miracles. I love every single one of them. I could teach on them every year. It's been a number of years since we taught on this one. But I'll tell you what, there's so much to be learned from this one. So much to be learned from it. This man, he heard that Jesus was in the area. And he went over to where Jesus was. And he implored him, please, Jesus, if you are going to implore someone, what kind of things do you say? If you're going to go and, and implore your boss for a raise, do you go to your boss and say, boss, I just noticed you're a good guy. And that you just, you like to, to reward people. I know that you are a rich man and that you have lots of money. And you like to share that money with other people. Is that what you do? Do you go to him and say, boss, I'm a poor man. I'm a poor woman. I don't have much. We're, not, we're just barely making it by. And I, I really need a raise. Boss, look at the job that I'm doing. Look how hard I'm working. Look at the things I have going on. Do you think I'm, we're, we're employed, right? 
That's how we a lot of times approach God. We're, we're trying to, to, to get God to, be, to, to convince him. I'm a good enough person. I'm a strong enough person. I, I, I've worked for God a long time. Helped God. He's imploring him to come down and heal his son. For he's at the point of death. You remember there's a woman who came and a similar wording is used of her. She came out of Samaria and she came down, threw herself down, imploring Jesus, please, please meet my need. And what did Jesus do? Nothing. Nothing. Even get, didn't even acknowledge he was there. Finally, he, he uh, acknowledges that she's there. She, she praises him. She worships him at his, at his feet. And finally, he says, look, the bread is not for the dogs. He called her a dog. Bread's not for the, the bread at the table is not for, it's for, the, for the sons. It's for the, for the children. It's not for the dogs. Instead of getting offended, running off, she says, yes, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. <laughs> All I need is the crumbs, she says. And Jesus responds to her now. Why does he respond to her? Not, not when she implored him, but when she said that because she was in faith. Jesus always responds to faith. Not imploring but always responds to faith. Faith gets his attention. He's imploring, come down and heal a son for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman then said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. <laughs> Jesus said to him, go your way. See the need? Come down before my child. You need to come down before he dies. It's need. It's not faith. It's need. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour when he got better. They said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. He gave him a faith command. He gave him, uh, this is what I need you to do. You're going to leave me now and you're going to go on. Now, he told him this story more extensively than we're going to do today. But the man came with expectations. I expect that when I go down to Jesus and tell him about my great need, that Jesus will follow me to my house. He's about a day's journey. He will follow me to my house and uh, say something, lay hands on my son, and, and he'll live. That's his expectation. And Jesus doesn't have that expectation. He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. Why? Because the man didn't have faith that moved Jesus. Other people had faith that moved Jesus. The centurion, Jesus was moved and came over to his house. There's other people. Jarius, come. I, I, I need you in my house. What does Jesus do? Follows them. Follows them all. Some people got Jesus to follow and some people didn't. It must just be that he, he liked them better. But see, that's what we think a lot of times. Well, God doesn't like me as much, especially if you're in the serving other people mode, the working mode. You haven't maybe, maybe you haven't worked hard enough. Maybe you haven't done enough. So he left and Jesus gave him something to do. I gave you this uh, a long time ago. I'm going to give it to you again. Well, well, just a minute, we'll do that. What made this man respond? Take note of this because we're going to see this in comparison to another story in just a little while. When he heard that Jesus had come. When he heard that Jesus had come. That's a, did he, does it talk about that he heard the words that Jesus preached? Does it talk about the faith that he got because he heard the things that Jesus said and taught? All that it points out in the Word of God, and the Word of God points out the important matters. All it points out is when he heard that Jesus had come. Now, he was still a day's journey away, but he heard that Jesus had come. And so he went over to get Jesus. This man has some faith, but he's not in faith. Just remember this. We, we talked to you this before. Other people have taught me it before. I got to keep remembering, reminding myself about this. Remember the man who was, who was uh, we just went over the story of the paralytic who was let down through the ceiling and he was laying there before Jesus on the bed. Remember the man who was uh, at the pool of Bethesda? 
You remember the man that Peter saw at the beautiful gate? Here's something that the Word of God says about these people. When Jesus saw, when Peter saw, Peter saw that he had expectation to receive something. Jesus, when he saw that they had faith to be healed, ask yourself this question, why is it they have faith to be healed and are still sick? Why is that? Doesn't Jesus say the paralytic when he saw that he had faith to be healed? When he saw that he had faith to be healed, he said to the man, Rise. We a lot of times have faith, but it's just like one of those Krispy Kreme donuts. It hasn't been coated right. It's somehow imperfect. We didn't do something to it. A lot of times it's just that we're not acting on it, but it's not the only thing. Sometimes we heard the wrong stuff. We have faith, but we have faith in the wrong area. That's why it's so important. To always keep hearing things on faith. If you, have, if you ever hear somebody says, we're going to talk about faith today, and you say, oh, I've already heard all I need to hear about that. Guarantee it, folks. That's why your faith isn't working. Because people who know something about faith knows a whole lot more they don't know than what they do know. And I, oh, this is a chance to learn some more. There's a whole lot more I don't know about faith than I do know about faith. So I'm going to keep on learning. There's a whole lot more about the Word of God I don't know than I do know. I love what Brother Hagin shared one time when Jesus came into his room and he was exhorting him for some things in the area of healing that he didn't quite, uh, <laughs> he wasn't quite walking in. And Brother Hagin took exhortation very well and he related that story. And, uh, and he was telling him something and Brother Hagin said, you know, you're going to have to show me that. I don't know about that in your word. And Jesus looked at him and says, there's a whole lot you don't know in my word. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the first one to tell you there's a whole lot I don't know about his, in his word yet. I'm going to keep on learning. The foundation of faith. Three things. Some people have their foundation of, fight, uh, of faith on sight. What I see is coming. I have faith that I will get a paycheck on Friday. I, I see that coming. I have faith that this will happen. Right? I, I can see it coming, and I'm believing God that this is going to happen, but I can see it coming. I have faith on what I see. You can tell people about, that are in this mode because as soon as they get something else that comes in, as soon as something else comes on the horizon, you know, I've, I've exhorted you here in the, in the services. I've exhorted some of you privately, and I'll probably have to keep on doing it. I sometimes have to exhort myself. But we can fall into faith by sight real easy. Don't raise your hand. But how many people have ever submitted a request? I have a test on Tuesday. Pray that they don't find anything. I have this going on on Friday. Pray that I get a good report. What the devil did was he took you out of the realm of faith and he put you into the realm of sight. And he will defeat you there every time. Don't do it. Don't get out on that area. You see, but I'm, but I'm believing God for a good report. No, you're believing God for something to happen that you can see. What does Jesus say about this man? Oh, I've got to go back one more. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You've got to get out of that sight realm. I don't care if the doctor comes back and they give a test and said, man, it's all over you. You'll probably die in a week. You should still smile and say, thank you very much. Appreciate you going through all that. And just keep on smiling and leave. If your faith is based on what you see, all the devil has to do is dangle something in front of you that you don't like. Get your faith out of that mode. Don't ever, ever, ever Ask another believer or ask God for a good report because you are not supposed to do it. It's wrong. You put your faith in the wrong place. Don't do it. You don't, it doesn't matter whether that doctor finds something good or something bad. What happens if they, they come back with, yeah, but I prayed and I had the test and they came back and I was, everything was clean. Glory to God. Yeah, but the devil just changed your faith. And now you are set up to fail at the next one. Because you got your faith changed. I don't care if the doctor brings a good report. I don't care if the doctor brings a bad report. What's your faith in? Don't have faith by sight. All right, foundation of faith. 
Sight is what I see coming. Might, what I know I have. There's a lot of people who are believing God for what they know they can do in themselves. Hello. Well, I know I can do that, but I'll just... Father God, I pray right now that this will happen. And then you go out there and you make it happen. You, see, you don't set your faith real high. Set it real low because you can accomplish it. You've got faith in your might, not God's. God wants people who stand in front of Red Seas and say, Part. Who stand in front of rocks and say, give water. Who look at the air and say, rain manna. That's, a, that's beyond your might. Sometimes we've got to get out beyond that. Foundations of faith. Sight, what I see coming. Might, what I know I have. What I know I have. And I believe in God for, for, for His might. I'm believing Him for mine. Here's the third one. Word, what God says is mine. That's where you need to be. What does God say is yours? That's where you need to stand. Not what the doctor says you have. Not what the doctor says you don't have. Not what the bank says you have in your account. Not what your employer says about your job. What does God say you have? That's what you need to believe. We've given you this before. We'll go over it again. What you believe is made up of what you hear, what you read, what you see, what you can imagine. You take all this stuff in. How am I going, how's it going to get in you? It gets into me from what I hear. It gets into me from what I read. It gets into me from what I see going on. It gets into me from what I can imagine. Now, what are you going to believe about all that stuff? What you believe is made up of what you hear, read, see, or imagine. These combined with your foundation, where it is that you are, sight, might, or word, form the basis of all future actions, everything that you're going to do. Jesus had little respect for faith based on sight. Very little respect for it. This man was moved by what he heard. He heard Jesus was in town. He was moved by what he saw. Saw that his boy was about to ready to die. He's moved by what he felt. He was in desperation. He was desperate. A lot of times, people, our faith is moved by what we feel. We have great anguish in prayer. Oh, God, please take this from me. Oh, and we have with great anguish, great, great emotion, we pray. It's not what you're supposed to do. What does the word say? Put in your outline this, but there is a higher place that the Spirit of God will lead you. Now, here we go. I love this story. I could teach on this story a couple times a year and not be, not be fully satisfied. Love this story. Favorite, probably one of my favorite healing stories in the Word of God. Mark chapter 5. The whole chapter is good. Of course, every chapter in the Word of God is good, but this one is real good too. Like chapter 5 in Mark. Now a certain woman, verse 25, had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had. It was no better, but rather grew worse. She did everything she could do by might. And it didn't, and it didn't work. When she heard about Jesus... What was the difference here? The man heard that Jesus had come. Heard his presence was here. She heard about Jesus. It's a whole, there's a big difference between knowing someone is here and knowing about them. She heard about Jesus. Now, she too was desperate. You get desperate when you try everything you can, spend all your money, and you're no better. She's desperate. He's desperate. She's desperate. Desperation does not mean you will fail or succeed. It just talks about where you are. When she heard about Jesus, she heard about Jesus. So, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said... If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see here her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. Told him the whole truth. 
And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I heard one of my one of the people I like to listen to teach on the, the word of God, teaches on this every once in a while. And he says she took a healing. And that's what she did, isn't it? She, she came up and she took it. Jesus wasn't handing them out. There's no healing line. There's no prayer line. There was no ministry. There's no service going on. Jesus wasn't expecting it. She came up. She took it. Who'd she take it from? Jesus took it right from him. And Jesus stops. Who took a healing from me? Right? Who took a healing from me? I know somebody did. Somebody touched me. Power went out. Healing power went out. Who took it? She's scared because she didn't ask permission. She's also scared because she has a flow of blood. She's unclean and she touched the rabbi. You're not supposed to do that. She probably also touched some other people on the way in because it's a big crowd. I'm sure she didn't get in there untouched. She's scared. Because in that society, this is the problem. So she's trembling. She's scared. He's going to take it back. Finally, I get healed, and he's going to take it back. So she tried to hide. And I just won't tell him it's me. Maybe he'll go on. He didn't. He kept saying, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Disciples finally got uncomfortable. Everybody's touching you. No big deal. No, 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 no. Somebody touched me with expectation. Pulled a healing out of me. Who did it? So finally she came, threw herself down. It was me. It was me. But you see what she did? When she heard about Jesus. See, she's desperate. But she heard about Jesus. She let the word of God, what she heard about Jesus, she let that get on the inside of you and be a seed. And that seed grew up into faith. And that faith, when it grew up, she said with her mouth, I know. I just touch the hem of his garment. I shall be made whole. It's a huge statement. This is the woman who has tried everything known to man and failed. But this seed came down the inside of her and it grew to the point that she began to say with her mouth, I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I won't touch him because that wouldn't be right. But if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. I know it. I know it. She didn't say that right away. She first heard about Jesus. She became a seed. She began to think about it. She began to meditate on it. She began to let this grow on the inside of her. And she believed this too, so much so that it began to overflow and come out. Went overflow and came out. But just when you remember your little kid and mom and dad would say, make up your Christmas list. What do you want? And you put on that Christmas list, I don't know what it was, but some kind, you had some special thing that you wanted to do. Maybe it was a new bike. A new bike. Can I get a new bike for Christmas? That's really what you want? That's really what, oh, I want a new bike for Christmas. Can I please get a new bike for Christmas? And if mom and dad say, okay, we'll get you a new bike for Christmas. What is that? What's that little one do? They go around there, well, in school, you have, did they go to school the next day have a real somber face? Why are you so sad? Well, I asked for a bike for Christmas, but I don't know if I'm going to get it. Well, did you ask your mom and dad? Yeah, I asked them yesterday. <sighs> what did they say? They said they'd get it. They said they, they said they would get it for you? Yeah, they did. Well, why aren't you excited? Well, you just never can know. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. Is that person excited? Does that person believe? But when you were a little kid and mom and dad said, all right, we'll get you that. What did you do? Oh, I got a bike. I got a new bike. And you go into school the next day. You say what? I'm getting a new bike. I'm getting a new bike. I'm getting a new bike. Where's the bike? It's not here yet. I get it for Christmas. But I got a new bike. It's mine, right? You talk about it. You talk about that past This is my bike. It's going to be red. It's going to be a 10 speed. I guess now it's 15 or 18 or whatever else. All kinds of speeds. It's going to be this. And it's going to have this. And it's going to be this way. And oh, and I'm going to have a helmet. And oh, it's going to be good. And I'm going to go fast. And you're talking about all the things you're going to do with that bike. And all the things that bike is going to be. And all the places you're going to go with that bike. But you don't have a bike. You got nothing. Nothing but a promise. This woman did the same thing. I got a promise. Healing is in Jesus. All I need to do is act to access it is touch him. 
Because before this, we've, we spent time, more time on the story we're going to do today. Before this, there were reports that came from Jesus that people just came and touched him and were healed. She said, oh, if that kind of power is in there, if I just touch him, I can receive it myself. She did. She heard about Jesus. She didn't just hear he's in the area. She heard about him. And she let it become a seed. And she let it grow and become something. She, she, she too was desperate. But she let what she heard build faith first. Build faith first. Folks, sometimes you just got to build up your faith before you start jumping in there and doing it. Build up your faith. Brother Hagin would tell us, I remember his story he told about his daughter, Patsy. She had a, uh, a growth. And uh, his wife wrote him about it. That's how they communicated. You write letters. And so they, uh, she wrote about it. says, uh, Patsy has a growth. The nurse says, we've got to do something about it. What should we do? He waited three days before he wrote back about that. Wrote other things, but he didn't, didn't uh, write about that one. And um, he laid on his bed, and he meditated on the very scriptures he would teach from in the services. Meditated on the healing scriptures for three days about that. He let faith build in him. And this is what he wrote back to his wife. Tell Patsy that Daddy said she's healed. So she did. Mom pulled Patsy aside. Daddy says you're healed. And Patsy said, well, if Daddy said I'm healed, I'm healed. <laughs> and went on, and the thing, the growth fell off, and uh, everything was good. But see, we don't always let faith build. We sometimes hear something and we just want to jump out there on it. Let the faith build. Spend some time on that. See, this lady had actions based on faith. He had actions based on need. And there was some faith mixed in. But his actions were based on need. You can have a need, but your actions need to be based on faith. Put this in your outline for you. She heard. She thought. Or she meditated, and she, she thought about what she heard. She heard, she thought, she processed it in her head. She thought about this. She said with her mouth, and then she did. She heard, she thought, she said, and she did. That's what, she, that's what went on. Now, we said all that to get back to this. Remember last week we were talking about serving. We didn't forget that. We've got to get into that mentality. So we've got to improve our serve. We've got to get ourselves serving better. Sometimes we're serving wrong. There's a lot of people doing a lot of serving. We're doing it in the flesh. Same way that faith doesn't work in the flesh, serving doesn't work in the flesh. Put this in your outline. When we serve others, what are we moved by? When we serve others, what are we moved by? Are we moved by need? How many times do we serve others because they need us to? What we're doing is we are training them to be need-oriented. And what we're doing with us is we are training ourselves to be need-oriented, not faith. When we serve others, we are moved by... What are we moved by? When God... Or what God... Excuse me. What moved us... We will expect to move God. Get this down. This hit me up like a ton of bricks when I first came to the knowledge of this. What moves us, we will expect to move God. Because we're godly. We have the Spirit of God in us. If I am moved by another person's great need, isn't God. What I expect will move me, I expect that will move God. And I will be training myself wrong. I will learn the wrong thing. And I will go to God and present a great need. Because I have trained myself to do this. What are you training yourself to do? It's all about training. It's all about training. What are you going to do? You can have great expectation, but without training, you aren't going to make it, make it work. Remember the story I've, I've told it before. Little dog I had when I was growing up, the most, during my most formative years when I was a kid, I had a dog. It was my absolute favorite dog. Name was Shasta. 
She was a good dog. I think I told you the story. I wanted a German Shepherd when I was a when I was a kid, and my mom saw my neighbor's German Shepherd who was vicious. Couldn't wait to get over the fence to eat you up. Barked, snarled, growled, just oh, I tell you, the, the scariest, nastiest looking dog you ever saw. They kept it chained up, put in the backyard, and a German Shepherd will turn that way if that's all you do with it. But I still wanted a German Shepherd. Oh, I wanted a German Shepherd. And uh, mom said, I'm afraid of German Shepherds. We're not getting a German Shepherd. So we looked through the paper and we found this mutt. And all we really knew about the mutt was that his mom was a Brittany Spaniel. Well, that seemed to be pretty acceptable to everybody. So we got brought home this Brittany Spaniel mutt. And as it grew up, it got these ears that were pointy. Brittany Spaniels don't have pointy ears. It's a black and white dog. White dog with black spots all, all over it. And it had a tail that curled all the way up. Big tail. Big bushy tail curled all the way up. Brittany Spaniels don't have that kind of a tail. And when it grew up and it barked, it had a bark that was not a Brittany Spaniel. No Brittany I've seen lots of Brittany Spaniels. None of them have the kind of bark that this one has. This is the kind of bark that if you heard it and didn't see the dog, you would be scared. Scared. The dog ended up being a little bigger than a Brittany Spaniel. But we looked at that dog and we saw its face, we saw its ears, we saw its bark, and we saw its tail. You know what his dad was? It was a German Shepherd. I got myself a German Shepherd dog without even trying. And so we got the, the German Shepherd, they, tra- they train up well. They do, I don't know about Brittany Spaniels, but I, I guess they did pretty well. So we got this, this home, because it wasn't a long time ago until we, after that, until we found out what it was. We still think it's a Brittany Spaniel. But I had this expectation of what a dog would do. And I had lots of expectations. And I fed those expectations by studying on dogs and what to do. One of the expectations I have, and I don't know where it came from. I just had this expectation that if I snap my fingers, you will know what to do and do it. I had that expectation. I don't know where I got that from, but I had that expectation that if I snap my fingers, you're going to figure out what I want you to do and you're going to do it. The other expectation that I had was, you are going to learn my yard, and you are not going to leave my yard. In fact, if I tell you to sit and stay, you will sit and stay until you starve. That was my expectation. And so I read up on what you have to do to make this happen. And you can't train a dog to do things until six months to do these kind of things. You can do little, little stupid stuff, you know, sit and stuff like that, but we're, we're going beyond that. But I was reading about this, and they said, if you want your dog to learn the yard limits, you can never walk that dog on a leash out of your yard for six months. Because until the dog is six months old, it cannot discern the difference between being on the leash and not being on the leash. You will have to pick your dog up, carry it out of the yard, carry it a few blocks away, and then put it down. So... Every day I took, and I took that dog for a walk every day. Every day I took that dog for a walk. I picked that dog up. I carried it a couple blocks down the road, dropped it down. We walk on down to the park. Every day that I walked that dog, that's what we did. After six months, I stopped doing it. I took it around to the yard. Didn't let, and I, I mean, there's no electric fences. This is it. Took it around to the yard, showed it where I wanted it to go, where I would not. Then as it grew up, it learned exactly where it could stop. You know how dogs like to chase the postman? Yeah, mine was no different. I'd like to chase the postman, but he would stop at the end of the yard. Now, the postman didn't know that in the first couple of... <laughs> he was a little scared. <laughs> he was a little scared about that. But the dog did stop over there. We could leave that dog in the back. No fence, on our, no fence at all in our backyard. We could leave that dog on the, the step in the backyard and go shopping and come back, and the dog would still be there. It would not leave. There was one flaw... If it snowed and the dog could no longer see the yard limits, it figured it was free. So uh, we, we realized that was a problem, and so we, <laughs> we, we worked around that. But because this dog was so good, uh, and, and she learned how to read in context, when I snapped my fingers, it figured out exactly. Its eyes were immediately on me to figure out what I wanted it to do, and it did it. I would take it down to the park where we would go, and we'd take it off the leash and let it run. Because if I snapped my fingers, my dog was right next to me. If the dog looked at another dog and wanted to go play with the other dog, the dog would look at me first to see if it was okay. If I gave the dog a nod, it would go play with the other dog. If I said no, 
the dog would just ignore the other dog completely. Now, here was a big test we had. My dog liked to chase rabbits. It wasn't quite fast enough to catch them, but it loved to chase the rabbits down at the park. And one time it was chasing the rabbits, and it was a mama rabbit and a baby rabbit. And the mama rabbit got away. But the dog got between the mama rabbit and the baby rabbit. And the baby rabbit stopped. And the mama rabbit went into the, into the woods. And my dog, Shasta, stood there and looked at this rabbit. It caught one. For the first time, it caught one. It was a baby one, but it, and it just sat there and looked at it and looked at me. And I snapped my finger, and the dog came over to where I was and let the rabbit go. That's a good dog. It took a lot of time to get that dog to that, to that place. But you see, I had an expectation. I read about what to do to bring that expectation about. And we trained and trained. Every day we worked on it. Every day we did it. That dog was so good. I would go down to the, to the park. The park. You know where the Willow Grove Turnpike is? That's the park we were at. Well, there's a, to get to the good parts of the park that nobody else went to, you had to cross over the turnpike interchange because the turnpike tunnel underneath was all water. So unless you had boots or something like that, you would get drenched just going on over there. And so what I would do is I'd bring my dog down to the tunnel because the dog liked to go in the creek and liked to get wet. And this is a real wide spot in the, in the creek. And so I'd tell the dog, sit. dog would sit. Stay. And I would climb up the hill. And I would cross over the Willow Grove Interchange. I don't know that you were supposed to do that, but I did. Crossed over the Willow Grove Interchange, came back down the other side, got to the other side of the tunnel where the dog could see me. The dog was still sitting there. Snapped my finger. dog came running. Ran across. And then we got into the good side. Good side. The, uh, the part that's not traveled by most people mm-hmm. and we had some fun over there did uh did some good things had a had a buddy taught his dog some of the same things and we were both able to go over there and to and to check out some of those some of those things but you see you can, a lot of people have an expectation but they don't want to do the training they don't want to do the reading to find out how to bring that expectation about you got to get the expectation got to read the word how do i bring that expectation about what's the word of god say and then you got to train yourself on this thing so that you are spirit-dominated, not flesh-dominated. That you are serving God, not serving people. That you are faith-motivated, not need-motivated. Because I'll tell you what, doesn't, if you just leave a dog go, doesn't a dog have a certain way that, that it'll go? They'll become unruly and do all sorts of things. And Yeah, your, your flesh will do that for you too. But see, what you, what you begin to think will move God. You are going to think... Or what you think if it moves you, you're going to think it's going to move God. Now, I put this in your outline for you, but you can be retrained. You can be retrained. You can get yourself out of being flesh-dominated, out of being need-dominated, and over to being faith-dominated. You can do it. But it will take effort. It won't come about just because you want it to. Just because you know it can. The Spirit of God will lead you to avoid not just fix. He wants to help you avoid things, not just fix them once they happen. Remember John, John Tash was here long, many years ago. He, had a, he would phrase it this way. It is better to prepare than repair. Right? <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. But uh, God wants to help you avoid things. We could spend time and go through the Word of God when Jesus avoided problems. But um, too often we're, just, we're using our faith to fix problems. God wants you to be able to avoid them. He wants you to help, help out with that. He will. He'll tell you how to avoid stuff. Just listen to him. Remember in the Old Testament, the king of Syria was after the king of Israel. And the prophet would say, don't go over here. And he wouldn't go. And then they'd set up a trap over here. Don't go over there. There's a trap. And they wouldn't go. And the king of Syria got mad. How come we can't trap this guy? Who's telling him where we are? See, God wants you to be able to avoid this stuff. He wants to help you out with that. He will also help you do this for others. God will give you insight into other people's lives and say they are heading down for this problem, but you can help them out, steer them over here. Now, not everybody's going to receive you, just in the same way that not everybody's going to receive what God tries to do for them, but you can try and help them out. Just because people reject you doesn't mean you did it wrong. 
It doesn't mean you did the wrong thing. They reject God all the time. Now, first thing in the application part here, don't serve according to needs. Don't serve according to needs. How many times are you guys serving other people because they express a need? How many times do you help somebody out financially because they express a need? How many times do you, do you uh, step in and help someone with a problem that they have because they expressed a need? You have trained yourself and you are training them to be need-oriented. It's a wrong training process. You don't need to do that. Don't serve according to sight. So you, can, you can get all worked up with your emotions and you can see people, they're in a, in a fix, and you can see their tears and you can feel for them, and you get moved by this. But if God is saying, I can't do nothing about it, why are you stepping in? What good are you going to do for them if God says, I can't help them? Oh, don't worry about it, God. I got this one. I got this one. Well, we'll get in there and take care of it. If you do that, who are you fighting against? If you feed flesh and God doesn't, who is creating flesh creatures? Stop feeding people's flesh. You need to stop feeding people's flesh. People are coming to you with a, fl- with a flesh orientation. Oh, I have, oh, I'm going to die if I don't get this. Oh, this is, they're going to kick me out. Oh, it's going to. Right? And they come and they cry on your shoulder and they cry on your shoulder and you just want them to stop. Yeah. What's it going to take for this to stop? Is basically what you're saying. What do I got to do to make this stop? I just, uh, I don't want to hear this anymore. What do I got to do? Oh, if you can just come and help. Oh, if you can just give me. Oh, if you can just. And so what do we do? God, I just want this to stop. I'm tired of hearing all this. I, I just want it to stop. All right, here's a hundred bucks. Go. Right? I don't want to hear it anymore. Well, yeah, it's all right because tomorrow, next week, they're going to come back and, oh, it's, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to die. Oh, they're going to kick me out. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. Stop feeding their flesh. If God doesn't feed their flesh, what good are you going to do by feeding it? You need to sometimes just stay up there and just say, you know what? I'm not doing it. But you're a Christian. Surely you want to help people. I am a Christian. Christians point people to God, not to each other. Feed faith in others and follow the Spirit. There are times, folks, you just need to, to shut this thing off with folks. Stop doing it. There's a flesh that's going on. Understand God will also do this for you. He's not going to feed your flesh. He won't feed your flesh. God doesn't get moved by your tears either. It's not that God doesn't have any emotions. He's just not moved by it. So maybe, just look at Jesus. Jesus, woman crying, falling down before him. Oh, please, my daughter, my daughter. Please, Jesus, man, get out of my way. <laughs> He's not moved by tears. What's he moved by? Faith. What finally got his attention? Daughter, your faith. Your faith. So understand, God's going to do this for you. If God's going to do this for you, don't you think it's the best thing? If God is going to do this for you, isn't it the best thing that you need? If it's the best thing that you need, then maybe it's the best thing other people need. And if you aren't giving it to them, you're not giving them the best. You're hurting them. You're not helping them out at all. Now, I'll tell you what. When I was training up that dog, Shasta, to do some stuff, I had people who were looking at what I did with that dog and saying, you shouldn't do stuff like that. Why do you make your dog sit still all that time? Why do you make your dog do those kind of things? But when my dog was finished being trained, I'll tell you what. I could trust my dog. My dog wasn't going to run out in the street and get hurt. My dog wasn't going to go out and bite somebody. My dog's a good dog. My dog could have a lot of freedom. Their dog couldn't have. Understand, this is what God's going to do for you. Here's the thing. You've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your words. You've got to guard your prayers. You've got to guard them. Because the untrained stuff wants to sneak its way in. Don't let it get in. Keep it out. Guard your mind. Don't think on these things. Guard your heart. Guard your words. Guard your prayers. How are you approaching God? Don't approach Him 
in the flesh. Don't approach him on need. We were talking about, you know, just the, the service area. Some of you folks are just serving God in here. Talked about, uh, you know, um, ushers and greeters and people in the worship team and people clapping and people playing tambourines and all that sort of stuff. And we talked to you, and I, I was uh, impressed with the way you all responded. You can take some, th- some stuff. Nikolai was bombarded, I saw back there. That was good. He should be. Because if, if you are doing this for God, then your intention is, I need to do it to the best that we, we can. If you're doing it for yourself, well, you're not going to tell me how I'm going to. It's an easy way to tell. Don't get into that sort of stuff. Your actions. I had people coming up to me all uh, last, and I don't know. I, I, I didn't phrase it probably right. You know, people say, well, but I, I don't notice when people are chewing gum or sucking on mints or what was the other thing I said? Oh, drinking water. I don't notice when people do that. You, you, people could, you could do it. Babies can cry, and I don't know. I don't know why. I just don't know. I just, sometimes I pick it up. Most of the time, I don't. So people are saying, oh, but I was chewing gum. No, I wasn't talking about you. I didn't even know you were chewing gum. If you, if you took some, a sip out of water, I know I didn't hear you. I'm not talking about me. If you were sucking on mints, and uh, I, I wasn't talking. And I'm not saying you can't suck on mints. I'm not saying you can't chew gum. But you know you can do it noisy. Or you can do it quiet. That's all. If you want to have a mint, keep your breath fresh and fresh, go right on ahead. People will appreciate that, I know. <laughs> People appreciate fresh breath. But, um, you know, just don't be slurping your water, smacking your gum, yep, all that sort of stuff. We don't need to be having that kind of stuff. <laughs> we don't need to have those kind of things going on. You can fix it. It all depends. Who are you serving? Do you want people to serve you? Are you just here to serve other people? Or are you a servant of God? Depends on where place you are. In one place, you are feeding your faith. In another one, you are feeding your flesh. And God won't respond to flesh. But he will respond to faith. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the promises that are in your word. That we can continue to study your word. To learn about those promises and how they work on our behalf. That we can learn how to be spirit-dominated, not flesh-oriented people. We can learn how to draw on our faith and not try and push our needs. And as we respond to other people, it's how we feel you will respond to us. I know, Father, we need to be retrained on some things, but you are prepared and able and ready to retrain to help us. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I think we got some praise reports. If you didn't get your praise reports in, come on, bring them on on up. Before we uh, before we do that, I, I, I was up there on Facebook this this week, and um, I, I, I was up on Facebook uh, yesterday. Can we can we uh, take care? Anybody want to? I need some batteries on on that one. Um, if we 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 are having that up today is, is Christians. Last Sunday for a while, I won't say last Sunday ever, he's going to have some time, he gets to come on home and we'll, we'll probably get a chance to, to, to see him on that. But this is um, his last, last time here. So I was going to ask Michael if he would come up. I, I, was, I didn't see you here in the beginning. I had this envision the whole way out. I was going to have you come on up and pray for him because you don't know him that well. That's the whole reason I wanted to get him to pray for him. Because if God gives you something, it's not based on knowledge. So you can just go on over there. And, uh, and both of you, come on up and, and you can both come on up and, and pray for him. But... Uh, Glory to God. We got that going. Yeah. We're going to have it on? All right. Thank you, Keith. There's a lot of things that a man is going to need when he goes away from home. There's a lot of things that a man is going to experience when he leaves uh, mama and papa. There's a lot of things that a man is going to have that he wouldn't necessarily have when he's at home. Things are different, not bad, and some might not be good, but they're just different. You're going to experience different. There's going to be challenges. We know that. Let's move over here. 
There's going to be challenges and times of growth. You'll have times to uh, make decisions. Some of them are going to be easier than others. And some of them are going to be difficult. This is what I believe is coming from my spirit. Navy, right? Do you know about ships at Anchorage? What holds them at Anchorage? The The anchor. You have an anchor. And that anchor is your solid belief in your God and what he's done for you, what he's doing with you, and what he's going to accomplish through you. Anchorage. Now, you're going to lift anchor because your ship is going to move. But you always have the anchor with you. Just because the anchor isn't attached to something at the bottom to hold your ship in one place doesn't mean you don't have the anchor. That anchor is in your heart. You still have that anchor. And whether you come to a place where you realize it or not, you still have that anchor. In a Danforth anchor, the typical anchor, you have a middle piece. And then you have those, you know, the, the U-shaped thing. But then at the top, you have a cross piece. And that cross piece keeps it, helps it to dig in to those U-shaped pieces, you know, to dig in to sand or rock, shoal, whatever it is, and keeps your ship from floating away remember your anchor remember who your anchor is it's not your mom she'd love to be your anchor it's not your dad he knows your anchor too it's your solid solid belief in Jesus Christ and in God and in the Spirit of God who helps you and guides you and directs you. The cool thing is, brother, is that anchor is connected to your ship by what? And each link in a chain is your mom, your dad, your church, the people in the church are all links in this chain. Your experiences, your decisions, all of the things that are that are going to be placed into you are links. And your links lengthen the chain. But your anchor is still down there. And when you're at anchor, do you see your anchor? You don't see it normally. But you know it's there. Because you're not moving anywhere. You're solid. You're at peace. There's comfort. There's strength. So remember your anchor. You might forget everything that I'm saying today, but I know that you know your anchor. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this man. He stands before you. He stands before you because, not just because he loves his mom and dad and this is where they brought him, but he stands before you because he loves you. He's making decisions. He's making some things that that he knows there's going to be challenges. But he knows his anchor is sure and steadfast. And, and the links are strong and will not be broken. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that as he leaves this place to go to the next place, that he will be strong. And other people will say, how old are you? 
you just seem to be wiser than most. You just seem to have, there's a peace in you. Don't you get it? You're supposed to be stressed. But there's something very comfortable about you. It's your anchor. So, Father, I thank you, Lord. Bless him. Angels go about him, before him, around him, underneath him, above him, behind him. Just encapsulate him. Father, right now I loose the spirit of peace upon him and I cocoon him in your faith and your love. No matter where he goes, no matter where he is, no matter who he is with, there will be the spirit of God and the angels protecting him, surrounding him, cocooning him in Jesus' holy and mighty name. Amen, brother.